Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel, and I have the privilege and the honor of speaking with you all today. Just to give you a little bit of information about myself, um, I serve in the uh, facilities team. Every Sunday morning, a group of us, group of men get together and we transform the church or from a community center into a church. And so I have the privilege of helping out on that team. I'm also in the Antioch training program, which is a five-year intensive training program designed to help people and train them for full-time ministry. And so I get the opportunity to practice the speaking skills today as Josh is leading a mission team to uh, Ridgeview, which is in Fontana, a church that we are connected with. So before we get started, let me let me close this in, or let me open us in prayer. Father, I pray, Lord, that the the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to hear from you today. I pray, Lord, that you would really open our eyes to see and to hear your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a fun fact about me: I grew up in the um, Dallas Fort Worth area. I'm not originally from Southern California. And you may or may not be able to tell I have an accent, but it really comes out pretty strongly or so-so. Uh, whenever I get tired, you can kind of hear that Texas twang a little bit. Um, but I actually did have the opportunity of spending a couple of summers here in Southern California, in Riverside actually, in my college years. And so I actually spent time, I lived at CBU, and I was on a team that was helping some of the churches in our network just with some different projects during the summertime. And so one of the requirements for my particular uh, role was to get a summertime job. And so before I moved out here, I called around, I talked to a lot of people, I networked, and I actually had a job lined up for me when I was moving out here. Unfortunately, a buddy of mine actually came out a week before me, and he took the job that I was supposed to have. And so when I got here, they said, yeah, that guy already took your position, so... I said, well, do you have anything else lined up? Is there anything else I can do? And they said, well, the owner's out of town. And when he gets back, I'll talk to him and see if it's something that we can do. And so I said, well, when is he coming back? And he said, oh, it's going to be on Tuesday. And so um, and so, anyways, I called back next Tuesday. They said, oh, you just missed him. He's gone for a couple more days. And so this went on for a little while. And I was filling out applications in a lot of other different places. And nothing was really coming through. So I thought, well, do I just keep at it and keep pestering them? On the one hand, I don't really want to be that annoying guy that is just is a complete turnoff to people. But on the other hand, I'm really desperate, and I really actually need a job while I'm here. And so I did. I just kept calling it. Eventually, I did get a call back, and they said, yeah, we've got something for you, and we're going to hire you for the summer. And so I was like, yes, my persistence finally paid off. Well, a couple of weeks go by, and my buddy that took the job that I was supposed to have originally, he was talking with the office manager one day, and she just mentioned to him, yeah, you know, we really didn't have anything lined up for Daniel. In fact, you know, we had to move kind of stuff, some stuff around, and but we just felt so bad for him. I mean, it's summertime in Riverside, and it's so hot, and he just kept coming in, and so we just felt bad, and we just gave him a job. And so... Therefore, after that, I, I worked for the next eight weeks at RCB and Sons Landscaping off of, off of Magnolia. And so I learned a valuable lesson through this process. You can see me on the screen. You can see which one I am. Um, but anyways, I learned a valuable lesson through this process. And that, but it wasn't, if you just try hard enough, 
you're going to get what you want. No, that's not it. The lesson I learned was, I'm amazed at what lengths and depths that I will go to to beg and ask for a job when I'm extremely desperate. That was the lesson that I learned. And I didn't get this job because I was smart, because I was qualified, or because I was persistent. I got the job because I was desperate, and I just prayed like crazy, and God in his kindness answered my request. Surely I'm not the only one in this room that's ever been in a situation where you needed God to come through for you. Has anyone ever else felt this way? Have you ever felt desperate in need of God's help? Let me ask you this. What is one big need that you have right now? What is a big need that's going on in your life where you need God to come through? And then let me ask you this. What role does God play in helping you to meet that need? What role does God play? We live in an age that's very uh, self-sufficient. Even as Christians, it can be very difficult for us to turn and ask God on a daily basis for help. And so this morning, I want us to, to look at a, a parable that's going to talk about the spiritual habit of prayer. Prayer in its most basic form is communicating with God. Prayer, along with studying God's word and understanding it, are two of the most powerful resources that we have as, as Christians. And yet, if you're like me, you've experienced that prayer can also be the most difficult thing to really master. 19th century Scottish minister Robert Murray McShane said, If you want to humble a man, ask him about his prayer life. And I found this to be true. A lot of people really struggle to have the kind of rich, deep, consistent prayer life that many of us really want to have. Prayer is really, it's complex. There's so many books written on prayer. There's so many articles and sermons and all kinds of stuff. Where do you even begin? I really recommend if you didn't, if you weren't here on June 17th, Pastor Bruce gave a really excellent message on prayer. He talked about um, just some different aspects of prayer. One thing I took away from his message was that prayer is a release and not a burden. Prayer should really be something that we delight in and enjoy and look forward to rather than a box that we just have to check off every once in a while. And so as I began thinking about my message on prayer, I thought, well, I began wrestling with how am I going to communicate such an important but complex topic like prayer. And so I'm certainly no expert, but I do think that I have one thing or one secret when it comes to prayer that I'd like to share with you this morning. And I really, it really hit me hard when um, a couple of us were on a mission trip to Taiwan a few weeks back. I really got to practice this particular secret. I've taken a number of trips over to Asia in the past. And I've flown over the Pacific before, and nothing compares to this particular time. Uh, the turbulence on our flight was just absolutely crazy, and the whole flight was, was just nonstop turbulence. And so I just remember thinking, well, this might be it. I might, the plane would drop, and I thought, well, we're just going right into the Pacific. But God, please, 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 I pray that you help us get to our destination safely. And he got us there. So prayer in its most basic form can be summed up in one word. And the secret I want to share with you this morning is that need is really the thing that we have to come to God for. We all need all kinds of things, right? Safety, food, water, good health, a job, friendships, meaning, significance. All of these things are needs that we have as people. And yet I've come to realize that the key to an effective, consistent prayer life is knowing you need God's help. 
And that's really the one thing I want to focus on this morning is that the key to an effective, consistent, rich, deep prayer life that grows over time is knowing you need God's help and having that reaction to go to God in prayer rather than as a last resort. And so it sounds easy, but we often move through life without recognizing that we need God's help. Our need for God can show up in all kinds of ways. It can show up as minor irritations, bad attitudes, just rough days. It can show up as pain. It can show up as desperation, like in my situation. It can even show up as getting bored of attending church and doing things that God wants us to do. All of these things God allows in our lives to help us to draw closer to him. The biggest tragedy of all is that we can spend weeks, months, even years doing everything possible to get our needs met except for turning to God. And so it's a cycle that I know I found myself on from time to time where, um, and it explains why some of us never really fully experience the Christian life that God desires for us to have. And so let me ask you this question. Do you need God's help in some way today? There's no way around it. If you are in need of God's help, you're going to struggle to pray. If you don't need him, you won't turn to him. So we're currently in a series on parables this morning. And if you've been around the last few weeks, you probably noticed that Jesus, uh, that parables are powerful stories that Jesus told to get across simple yet very pro- profound truths about the spiritual life. Everybody remembers stories, right? And that's why Jesus told them, because they're very memorable. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at a story that Jesus told that has some simple yet insightful things about prayer that I hope will be helpful for us today. And so if you've read much about the life of Jesus, you probably recognize that Jesus' prayers got answered. Jesus' prayers got answered. If I'd been around in Jesus' earthly life, I would have said, Jesus, your prayer seems to get answered consistently and steadily, whereas It seems like the most of the rest of us have, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And so what, what's the secret? Fortunately, Jesus' disciples asked Jesus that very question. Teach us to pray. And so instead of giving them a bunch of principles, Jesus actually launches into um, a story. And he also gives us some very memorable words. Some people say that these next words are the most recited words in all of human history. And we know those today as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is a little condensed version. This is found in the Gospel of Luke. We could spend an entire sermon series talking about the Lord's Prayer and all of the different aspects and how they could apply to each one of our lives. But Jesus doesn't stop at the Lord's Prayer. He immediately launches right into a story to illustrate his point. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The the door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will arise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, him who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. 
Notice, first of all, this need that comes up in the story. A man is going about his business, about to go to sleep and enjoy a good night's sleep, and all of a sudden a need is thrust upon him. There's no 24-hour 7-Elevens or Walmarts that he can just run to the store real quick to, to buy what he needs. Do you see the problem that this man is now in? And so I've titled this message this morning, The Man Who Came at Midnight, because only someone who is desperately in need of something is going to go to his neighbor at midnight and bother him while he's trying to sleep. He overcomes a lot of obstacles in this story in order to meet the need of his guest. So what can we learn from the actions that this man took? First of all, we learn to ask specifically. Notice that he says, friend, lend me three loaves. He's very intentional and specific about what he needs. The man asked for a specific amount of bread. And this is actually a very important detail that Jesus includes. So why does Jesus include this in the story? I believe that what he's trying to get at is that God wants us to pray specifically. He wants us to pray very particularly about the things that we need and ask for. Clarity and specificity are better than vague generalities. Right? Isn't it better to be clear and direct when you're going to ask somebody out on a date? Isn't it better to just say what you're, what you're asking for rather than to kind of come at it from an indirect way and beat around the bush a little bit? If you were going to your neighbor's house at midnight, wouldn't you want to just be clear about what you needed and why you needed it rather than saying, hey, you know, how's it going? You know, that's not going to go over too well. The truth is that a direct ask communicates respect. I know I would rather have someone, if they want something from me, to ask me directly. Even though I may not give it to them, I appreciate the direct ask. And so does God. God appreciates when we ask for things specifically because when we see him, when he gives us specific answers, we can then honor him and give him glory. Some of us recently took a mission trip, like I said, to, to Taiwan from our church. And so before we left, we really asked that people would pray for us. There's our team there. We're actually at the Baptist Seminary. In the background, you can see Taipei 101, which is the tallest building in Taiwan. But anyways, we asked for people to pray for us for specific things. While we, we even ask some of you to pray for us. So here's a brief summary of what we saw happen. The first day we laid hands on, on one of our teammates and prayed that God would give them the opportunity to share that day. Well, it happened to just so, so happened to be a Sunday and there was a new couple that was attending the church. And so the person that we prayed for had the opportunity to share their personal story with this couple that weren't believers. The second day, we were on a, a tourist trip. We went actually into that building, to the top of the building. And while we were up there, the person that we prayed for that day, some random tourist walked up to them and started talking to them, and which led to a conversation about faith. And again, a testimony was shared. The third day, same thing happened. We prayed for a guy, and he was able to have a great conversation, share his personal story with another person that didn't believe yet. And then we did see someone actually come to Christ as a result of our prayer. So it was really amazing to see God really at work through the specific prayer requests that our team was praying for, and many of you were praying for as well. And as we debrief later, at the end of the trip, that was one of the common themes that people kept saying over and over again was, wow, God really does answer prayers. And our faith, all of us, just took a step forward with our faith in what God could do. This is really important. When we see God answer very specific prayers, 
It can really boost our confidence. It can also give us a sense of gratitude for what God is doing in our lives and give us confidence as we move forward that God will continue to answer our prayers. Every time I look at my wife, I am very thankful that I wrote down a very specific set of qualities that I was hoping that God would provide for me and a spouse. And years later, after we were married, I showed her that list and we looked at it and every single thing that I wrote down on that prayer list came true. And so I'm amazed every time I look at that. And it gives me confidence that as I continue to trust God, he is going to come through. The truth is that God delights in answering specific prayers. He delights in answering specific prayers. Psalm 50, God is speaking and he says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Isn't that a great reminder of God's faithfulness to us? While God wants us to pray specifically, we want to avoid praying about things selfishly. We want to really avoid only lifting up requests that only benefit us. James 3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly that you may spend it on your passions. So not only does God want us to pray specifically, he also wants us to pray boldly and persistently. Boldly and persistently. As I read the story, I was fascinated by all of the social obstacles that the man who came at midnight had to overcome. First of all, again, he was wanting to just have a good night's sleep, and all of a sudden his friend shows up. So now he's got to deal with this situation of providing for him. Secondly, he has to go to his neighbor at midnight, which is highly unconventional. Thirdly, he has to go to his neighbor and wake him up because he's sleeping. Not only does he have to wake his neighbor up, he also wakes his neighbor's family up. Next, he has to face the embarrassment of knowing that his friend, that he didn't know that his friend was coming into town. And then he has to admit that he is ill-prepared. He doesn't have the supplies necessary to provide for this guy. And lastly, now he has to deal with the humiliation of owing his neighbor and his neighbor probably talking about him behind his back. And so he has a whole list of things that he has to overcome. And it's probably hard for us to totally get our minds wrapped around what a first century Jewish person would have thought about this idea of hospitality. But we do know that he did have a need and and it would have been seriously offensive for him not to have provided um, something for for this guest. But notice the wording Jesus chooses here. In verse 8 he says, I tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Notice that word impudence. I know, I've kind of, I've heard that word a bunch of times before, but I actually didn't know the definition for it. So I looked it up in the Bible, and the word impudence means, uh, a quality of being impudent. <laughs> so, like, okay, well that doesn't help me out a whole lot. So I had to look up the word impudent. And the definition of impudent is shameless or brazen immodesty. Shameless or brazen immodesty. Really it's a combination of boldness, shamelessness, and pers- persistence. It's that guy that you know that does things so crazy that afterward you're like, I cannot believe that you just did that. Maybe we have a a friend like that. Um, We see this all the time, though. One One way this can happen is if you've ever been to a restaurant and you've seen a waiter that gives incredible service. You know, they bring the food on time, they smile, but then they're given a lousy tip. Great service does not equal a lousy tip. And so that's an example of impudence. Or you come home from a hard day's work and you see that your roommate has eaten all of your takeout without asking. And they're not even sorry about it. 
Again, that's another example of, of impudence. So now why would Jesus choose this word? What's going on here? Why would Jesus talk about the idea of impudence connected to prayer life? It's not like the story goes, Jesus wouldn't tell the story if it was something like, a man got hungry at midnight, and so because he had no food and none of the stores were open, he went to his neighbor and he asked him for three loaves of bread, right? He doesn't do it for himself. He does it because he's trying to help out a friend of his. So why would Jesus tell a story like this? I think there can be one explanation. Impudence is a turnoff when it's really all about you. When you eat your roommate's food without asking, it's really just about you. But impudence can actually be attractive or even noble when it is done on behalf of someone else. So let me give you an example. Suppose that you have left the church service and you're standing out, walking through the breezeway, and you've got your OCC coffee and you're just enjoying the warm weather, talking to a buddy about what you're going to do in the afternoon, and all of a sudden someone pushes by you and you spill your coffee. And you're like, the impudence of this guy But then you look ahead and you notice that a stroller with two small children is barreling toward the parking lot. And you realize this person is rushing to try to grab that stroller before it gets into a dangerous situation. Your perspective on this person changes immediately, right? You realize what he did, he did for a reason, and that was to be a help to somebody. You recognize some danger. So what does this mean for you and for me? Sometimes we don't see prayers answered in our lives because if God were to answer a prayer... How would it benefit anyone else? Do we pray boldly to God just for the things that are important to us? Or do we pray boldly that God would work in the lives of other people? Are we willing to come and say, God, I'm going to keep praying until you answer this request. I want to see my family member come to know you. I need a job because I have to provide for my family. My family member or a friend is sick. And God, I know you can intervene. And I'm just going to keep praying until you answer me. These are all forms of impudent prayers, but they're not about you. They're about someone else. And so here's the great thing about prayer is that we, if you're a Christian today, you can approach God with boldness. You can approach him with boldness. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So God desires that we pray both specifically, boldly, But he also requires that we pray and then take steps. God wants us to take steps of faith as we pray. Mother Teresa said, prayer and action is love. Love and action is service. And so after finishing this story, Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, I don't know if you've read this passage before, but I, in the past I've read it and kind of thought, okay, well, here's the secret. You just ask, seek, and then knock, and then God's going to give you the things that you want. But you can't disconnect this statement from the parable. God is not a genie, and we're not just granted a bunch of wishes. He's not a vending machine where you just put in your prayer request and out comes what you want. God is a father, and he loves us, and he wants what is best for us. But sometimes... The only way we're going to get answers to prayer is when we're in need, when we actually are deeply in need of God's answers. But he does say to ask. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. I came across this chilling statement from um, author Mark Batterson in The Circle Maker. He says, 
The greatest tragedies in life are prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. And so God actually calls us to ask. Jesus wants us to ask. He doesn't just say, well, God knows everything. He's going to read your mind. He says to ask for things. But he also says and challenges us to seek, to seek and to look. So what's the difference between asking and seeking? Seeking is really when you actually start to do something and to take action. So seeking is more more like you have a job interview in 10 minutes and you can't find your keys in your house. And so you've got to scurry around and look for those keys and you're desperately searching to be able to find those keys. That kind of gives you a picture of what seeking really means. It's a wholehearted process. God desires that we should make our needs known to him But oftentimes he wants us to take a step of action. And then he says to knock. What's the difference between knocking and seeking? Well, think about it. If you were that man that came at midnight and you know you've got to get this bread somehow and you walk up to your neighbor's door and you don't want to do it, you feel nervous, your voice is shaky, your palms are sweaty, and you know once you knock on that door, you've set something in motion that can't be undone. And what if you, na- you, know, you knock very lightly and nothing happens? What do you do? You give up? No, then you start pounding on the door. You knock, you knock, and knock until you get an answer. And that's the kind of attitude God wants us to have when it comes to prayer, is to keep at it until we get an answer. This is often what God asks us to do if we want to see him answer our prayers. So what kind of prayers does God answer? Maybe you've seen God come through for you consistently. Or maybe you're like me and you often struggle to get answers to your prayers. As our worship team makes their way back up on stage, I want to give you a couple of action steps to consider this week. First of all is examine my prayer life. Examine my prayer life. Are you praying the kind of prayers that are big, spirit-led prayers that require a God as powerful as the God of the universe to intervene in your life? Are you claiming God's promises that God has made in his word about what he's going to do? Or are prayers kind of a little more general, a little bit more, God, help me today, give me ease and comfort? So examine your prayer life. And secondly, write down specific prayers. Instead of saying, God, help me today, pray, God, please give me the strength to to accomplish this task at my job. God, give me wisdom in handling this particular relationship. God, provide me with opportunities to share my faith with other people and give me the courage to do it. Thank him that he's already working in your life. That's one of the things that I've learned recently is to thank God, to pray and then to thank him for what he's doing and what he is going to do. That communicates faith. And then lastly, pray big and start small. As you pray, begin to take one step of obedience forward. While it may have seemed to this midnight man like a big deal to go at midnight, the, the reality is this is a very small small example. God could have used some other big story to communicate this point. But actually it was a difficult step, but it was a small step that he had to take. And so we can actually pray to God and then take small steps to accomplish the things he wants us to do. Jesus concludes by saying, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the thing. This guy that came at midnight, the only reason he went to his neighbor's house is because they had a relationship. 
He knew he was going to probably get the bread, even though it may have been embarrassing. And there's only one way that you and I can really develop a consistent, regular, deep, rich prayer life where we see God answer. And that's if we have a close walk with him and a relationship with him. God loves you, and it may not always feel like it, but he cares about each one of us that's his children. Now, some of you today might really be in some some pain, some desperate situations. And some of you may really be in, in a time where you are calling out to God and asking him for help. But there's something that's even greater than God meeting the needs. God wants you to experience him. He wants you to experience more of him, not just a way to get your needs met. Some of you may be more visual, and so here's a little diagram that's really helped me in my prayer life recently. The normal approach to prayer, at least for me, is to view God as a way to meet my needs. I come to you, God, I have specific prayer requests. If I don't see those answers, I stop praying. But recently, I've kind of flipped it around. Instead of viewing God as a way to meet my needs, I view my needs as a way to draw closer to God. And that's really what he's after. God wants us to see our needs as a way that we can depend on him more and trust in him more. There's only one difference between the person that has a rich, strong, deep prayer life and the person that struggles to pray. And that is the person who really understands prayer, recognizes their dependence and need on God. Even Jesus needed God. John 5.19, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing on his own. He does only what he sees his Father doing. What the Father does, the Son also does. So your prayer life really is in your hands. I want to leave you with one particular verse that's really made a difference to me in my walk with God. Um, And you noticed that it says, if you pray, God will give you the Holy Spirit to help. And so one of the ways that I've seen the Holy Spirit really work in my life is with inner peace. Romans 8, 6 tells us, to be controlled by the human nature results in death, the feeling of death. But to be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. And so my hope for you is that you could experience that inner contentment and inner peace that only comes through the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't come if you just view God as a way to get your needs met. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus taught such a a simple yet profound truth about how to pray. And Lord, this morning my prayer is that each one of us would take one step forward to know you. And to view our prayer life not just as a way to get the things that we want, but to recognize our deep need to connect with you and to follow you. God, you desire to make us into people that really, really honor you and are strong in our faith. And so I just pray that you would help each one of us to recognize that we need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.